Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Okay, I've got sound there now. Um, I can see that I've got sound now. I think you can hear me now. I started the podcast already at uh, 10 o'clock, and then I didn't have any sound, uh, apparently. So I had to restart. Glad you could join tonight. Uh, the podcast, uh, we started a study in the book of Micah, and we're going to continue in the book of Micah, uh, chapter 2. Uh, but first, I want to play a... I want to play a compilation that I put together about the uh, One World Order. And I want you to hear the wickedness and their arrogance in what they are saying. Uh, Klaus Schwab, Noah, Yoval Harari, and so on. These people are saying that they want to take control of you. And they want us, to, I say you, but us. And want to want us to be their slaves. They say we'll own nothing, but we'll be happy. They want us to eat bugs, like that cricket chirping behind me. And they want us they they want to destroy our food supply. Already over a hundred uh, food processing plants or, or or food plants farms have gone up in flames uh, this year, and they are cutting off the fertilizer to prevent farmers from using fertilizer. Um, there's a lot of big things going on now. and But I want to play this compilation I put together so you can get an idea of what they're thinking, um, what, what they're pushing in the Great Reset. Um, and I'm going to touch on Mar-a-Lago being raided by the FBI. Uh, we're going to get into the book of Micah, chapter 2, what God has to say about wicked people taking advantage of other people, those that are maybe vulnerable or poor, and see what God has to say. Uh, I want to go ahead and play that clip for you. It's uh, seven minutes long, so but it's worth listening to. The COVID-19 crisis has shown us that our old systems are not fit anymore for the 21st century. It has laid bare the fundamental lack of social cohesion, fairness, inclusion, and equality. In short, we need a great reset. Now, in the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough, and nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. One of the features of this fourth industrial revolution is that it doesn't change what we are doing, but it changes us. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds 
the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. I choose the term vaccination because the public assumes that the term vaccination means immunity enhancing infection or transmission control. That's what everybody thinks vaccination is. And by the way, it's how it's been marketed. The whole argument has been about transmission control and the evidence from the beginning has been that this is not about infection control. It is not about transmission control. Does the data about my DNA, my brain, my body, my life, does it belong to me or to some corporation or to the government or perhaps to the human collective? The thing that they're injecting doesn't even meet their changed definition of vaccine. The pathogen that's being injected into people to create the spike protein, a scheduled toxin, as part of the United States official select agent toxin program, the instructions to tell your body to make a toxin are being injected into the human being and the instructions do not match the thing called SARS-CoV-2. They do not match what we've been told is allegedly a virus. None of these things match. And so what's being injected is nothing other than a bioweapon. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Uh, we have substantial data showing that uh, we saw, for example, uh, miscarriages increased by 300% over the five-year average, almost. Uh, we saw almost 300% increase in cancer over the five-year average. Cancer is not being talked about except for by Dr. Ryan Cole. Thank you, doctor. Uh, we saw, this one's amazing, neurological. So f neurological issues which would affect our pilots. Over a thousand percent increase. A well, thousand. Ten times. That's ten times rate, and obviously that resonates. 83,000 per year, to, I'm sorry, 82,000 per year to 863,000 in one year. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. Our soldiers are being experimented on, injured, and sometimes possibly killed. It is a felony in the state of Utah to do that action and then impose in the state a practice of medicine that is unlicensed in the state of Utah. This was never licensed. Therefore, by admitting to the fact that they're defending themselves against our case, they will be admitting to a felony in Utah. People could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This, I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. There's no leak. This biological weapon was engineered by Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. He announced to the world in 2016 that it was poised for human emergence. Together with Peter Daszak, he stated that to accept 
a universal vaccine, we were going to use a media hype event so that investors will respond. This was a premeditated act of the production and distribution of a known and scheduled toxin that was introduced from laboratory engineered toxins. Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities. This is actually a weapon. When these doctors are attacked, they call me. I'm the one dealing with the medical boards. I'm the one watching the witch hunts. I'm the one fighting them off, and I'm the one telling them where to go. I'm going to keep doing that. On that date, and around that date, I have numerous instances where Fauci and that entire crew were saying, it's a crisis of the unvaxxed. It's 99% unvaxxed in the hospital. In Project Salus, in the weekly report, the DOD document says specifically, 71% of new cases are in the fully vaxxed and 60% of hospitalizations are in the fully vaxxed. This is corruption at the highest level. We need investigations. The Secretary of Defense needs investigated. The CDC needs to be investigated. That with the preliminary injunction, the way the case is written and the way the preliminary injunction is filed, the only defense is an admission of a felony. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did so talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. There you have it. Um, the enemies of the common man, they're pretty much describing exactly what they're going to do. Now, you notice I had it there. We got some of the words from the good guys there, too. They're fighting. And... Um, tooth and nail trying to get this resolved um but i think it's starting to look like these this vaccination is is the mark of the beast um i'm not going to say that it is but it's it looks very similar uh in the fact that yoval noah yoval harari and it's 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 interesting to note when jesus said that just as in the days of noah so shall it be when he returns. And it's interesting to know that the guy that's leading this uh, mass genocide, his name is Noah. That's just a side note. Um, but he, he's, he declared that he is going to hack humans. Humans are just things. They don't have a soul. And he also said that we don't answer to God. That's what he said. His own words. You can hear him say that. Um, so that's what we're dealing with now. That's kind of like what Micah was dealing with. We'll get to that here in a minute in chapter 2. And I realized that I didn't uh, expound on the names of those cities in Micah chapter 1, I think verses 10 through uh, 16. I'm gonna I'm gonna back up to chapter one and then read the definitions of those cities that Micah called out um, here shortly. But before that, I've got a couple things to note. Uh, I mentioned that I've mentioned before about the persecution. If you're a Christian, you're going to be persecuted, and the reason I mentioned that is because Jesus said that that if you love me and if you follow me, you're gonna be persecuted 
but he also said that they're persecuting you because of me, not because of you, but because of what I said, because of what I did. Um, if we claim Jesus to be our Savior, our Lord, and we've trusted him with our life and with uh, we've surrendered to him, there's going to be persecution. Uh, Jesus left us here, though. If you notice, once you give your heart to the Lord and you surrender to him, you're not translated to heaven immediately like Enoch or Elijah. We are left here. That means that we have a mission to fulfill on this earth. Jesus has left us here. If you remember, going back uh, back to the New Testament, uh, to the ascension, Jesus arose and ascended to heaven. And then the angels sat back and the apostle, the disciples, apostles, the crowd there gazed upon Jesus, watching him go up into the heaven. And the angels said, uh, why are you standing here gazing the same way that he he went up, he'll return. And he gave us the great commission. Jesus gave us the great commission. We have to occupy until he comes. We have to teach, preach, and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And part of this, um, it's actually in this part, the category of discipleship, which there's a not, not enough of these days. Uh, I see a lot of churches that are in a hurry to get people saved, but they don't have anything set up to disciple anyone. And I've run into that. I've had issues with that. The discipleship is lacking. Part of the discipleship is learning, is reading God's Word, meditating on it, learning His Word, uh, learning about false teachers, false preachers, uh, learning how to, to live in a godly manner, exercising it in obedience, and being able to call out the tricks and the deception of the wicked one. If we cannot, if we, we claim to be Christians and we follow Jesus and we can't call out the wickedness of the devil, we're not too close to the Lord. Uh, there's an issue there. There's a break in the communication with God if we can't call out wickedness and expose it. We have to be able, as um, as Paul, I just drew a blank, but as Paul says, I believe, to be ready to give a reason of our salvation and the hope that we have. In an instant, if someone asks us, well, what are you doing? Why are you doing it this way? We're supposed to be ready. We're supposed to be able to back it up with God's word. And we're to call things out like CRT, critical race theory, like tyranny, like um, satanic worship. We should be able to notice human trafficking satanic ritual abuse we should be able to see these things and be able to call them out we should be looking for these sort of things that uh, we as a christian means we're supposed to be active and effective and productive in this present world 
while the Lord leaves us here. I've heard mentioned before that to be um, that some have been so earth, so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And that sounds strange, but I think it can happen because a lot of people want to emphasize Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And they're saying, I'm so glad Jesus is coming back. And they'll mention a couple bad things going on. And what they do is, in effect, is they've neutralized themselves in the battle. And Paul tells Timothy that we are soldiers of the cross. And we're not to entangle ourselves with the affairs of this world. But we're supposed to be actively resisting the devil. And we're supposed to be calling out fraud. We're supposed to be calling out sin. And we're supposed to be discipling babes in Christ. But if we keep saying Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, the tendency is to sit on a couch or sit on a pew and just wait. That is not what Jesus wants you to do. The very first people who stood there waiting for him to return was them, those that were watching him ascend into heaven. And he said, occupy until I come. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be reaching souls for the lost and we need to be guarding those from the wicked advances of the devil. We're here to protect people. We're here to show compassion on them. Jesus uh, once said, gave a parable, an illustration, um, saying that, that he would have turned people away because when they entered heaven, saying, depart from me. And, so, and they, in reply, said, well, didn't I do this or this in your name? And he said, depart, me for, depart from me, for I never knew you. And then an example, one of the examples Jesus had given was that when someone came to you and asked for help, they, they needed clothes. Did you give them clothes? Jesus, um, his statement to them was like, you didn't help me. And he said, well, how did we not help you? Well, when someone, he said, when someone comes to you and asks for clothes and you don't help them, you're not helping me. If someone comes to you and asks for food and you don't help them and give them food, you're not helping me. If someone asks for water, whatever it is. If someone comes to you in need, what did Jesus do when he was preaching to the multitudes? What did it say time and time again? When Jesus saw them, he had compassion on them. Now, what did he do? Multiple times, he fed them. He made sure that they were taken care of, and then he began to teach them. Or in the process of teaching, he fed them. He made sure their physical needs were met. If we say we love Jesus and we, we follow Jesus, there sh we should be actively helping people. And what I, the Lord has called me to do is call out the wicked, the wickedness of the devil and the fiery darts of the devil. And he's called us to put on the whole armor of God that we can, after having done all, we can stand. And that's what we're doing here tonight. We're calling out the wickedness of the devil. 
So before we get into Micah, I want to mention this uh, just came out. It's hot off the press. And it is. Now, if it's not just this, there's a lot of things going on. Steve Bannon had been arrested not long ago. Peter Navarro um, had been arrested. Uh, Alex Jones is in a, has been in court. Um, that he's been defamed in court. They brought up a bunch of accusations um, with no evidence. Um, the point is that those that are speaking the truth uh, are being persecuted. Uh, Alex Jones claims to be a Christian. Steve Bannon claims to be a Christian. Uh, the The point is that Christians are going to be persecuted. No matter what denomination you are, no matter what sect you are, if you claim Jesus and you are a Christ follower, you're going to be persecuted. Um, now, a lot of people get things confused in thinking that the political goings-on is nothing that a Christian should bother with when that's um, further, couldn't be further from the truth. Now, because it, there's nothing political about it. There's no Democrat or Republican in this situation. It's good versus evil. Um, it's the devil trying to take over God. It's the devil trying to corrupt God's people that God made in his own image. The devil cannot stand it that we're made in God's image. He can't stand that he was kicked out of heaven. And he's doing everything he can to destroy God's creatures. So what just broke here probably an hour ago is the fact that uh, Mar-a-Lago, which is President Trump's dwellings in uh, Florida, was raided by the FBI. Just like Roger Stone The Mar-a-Lago Mar was raided by the FBI. Uh, Donald Trump, President Trump, was not there. He was in New Jersey when it happened. It happened this morning. And I just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I'm letting you know that the persecution is happening. You think it's political, but it's not. It's part of the... Uh, one world order, part of the Great Reset, and their goal is to take us over. Um, if you haven't noticed that the regime in the White House is, they've already, they're already part of the Great Reset, the One World Order. Um, there's so many things to touch on. I'm just going to touch on a couple more things. Uh, the Senate passed a bill. Um, you know, have you heard of the Build Back Better uh, program? Well, they changed it. They disguised it, and it's called the um, Inflation Reduction Act um, to make it sound more harmless. But in that, just a couple things is that they, I think it gives them 700 and something billion dollars to 
to work. This is the regime, the communist party that we have in office. It gives them more power to to tear apart America. It also has something in there about preventing farmers from growing crops and banning or greatly reducing the fertilizer that we have to have for the crops. Um, it's something in there about paying farmers off not to grow crops. Um, $82 billion goes to the IRS to be able to buy or to hire 87,000 more individuals and they're called enforcers or something like that. And the IRS has been buying up ammo. So you see where this is going? Um, so on top of all that, that happened over the weekend. Mar-a-Lago is raided by the FBI. And I want to read, uh, this is Trump's statement. Uh, it's his statement this morning. He says, These are dark times for our nation, as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago, in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It is the prosecutorial misconduct, the weaponization of the justice system, and an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024, especially based on recent polls, and who will likewise do anything to stop Republicans and conservatives in the upcoming midterm elections. Such an assault could only take place in broken third world countries. That's what they're wanting us to be. That's what they're trying to break us into is to a third world country. He continues. Sadly, America has now become one of those countries corrupt at a level not seen before. They even broke into my safe. What is what is the difference between this and Watergate where operatives broke into the Democrat National Committee? Here, in reverse, Democrats broke into the home of the 45th president of the United States. The political persecution of President Donald Trump has been going on for years with now with the now fully debunked Russia, Russia, Russia scam, impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, and so much more. It just never ends. It is political targeting at the highest level. Hillary Clinton was allowed to delete and acid wash 33,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by Congress. Absolutely nothing has happened to hold her accountable. She even took antique furniture and other items from the White House. I stood up to America's bureaucratic corruption. I restored power to the people and truly delivered for our country like we have never seen before. The establishment hated it. Now, as they watch my endorsed candidates win big victories and see my dominance in all polls, they are trying to stop me and the Republican Party once more. The lawlessness, political persecution, and witch hunt must be exposed and stopped. I will continue to fight for the great American people. That was uh, Donald Trump's statement that he just put out today. 
this morning uh, after his uh, Mar-a-Lago home was raided by the FBI. Uh, he was in New Jersey. But here, this is what's been happening. Like I said, the persecution is happening, and it's not a left or right issue. It's not a, a red versus blue or, or whatever. It's a, a evil versus good. And the fact is the Democratic Party is not the Democratic Party anymore. It's been hijacked by Nazis, communists, fascists, socialists, <clears throat> you name it. Anything we don't want here, that's what they are now. Um, so you'll notice in the, uh, the races that around the country that the conservatives are winning. And I think that's why they decided to raid President Trump's house now is because they're winning in Arizona and they're winning in uh, multiple places now. The fight's not over. We got to get these corrupt governors out, like the one in Michigan. But I digress. Yeah, I just had a comment from Kill Bill. The FBI raid was ordered by the head of the FBI that Trump appointed while he was president. Uh, that brings up a good point. Thanks for that comment. Um, there's a, a lot of uh, staff in these agencies that are corrupt. And it's it's what I've noticed is that the president, President Trump, hasn't... Um, caught on to that, I guess, to say it simply. There's some people that he's endorsed that, I mean, to us, if we're looking at it, it's like, why in the world would he endorse that person? Or why would he appoint that person? But that just shows the corruption, how how deep it is, the deep state, how corrupt it is. Um, even even it, it can, has, I think, it's um, pulled the wool over President Trump's eyes in some regards. Uh, but that's, I mean, that proves there that they're out to get him. And if they're out to get him, um, out to get other conservative talkers around, they, I mean, they're going to be after all of us. I was listening to uh, the Alex Jones trials, the mock trials, and the, I think it was the DA. I know the DA said this to, to he was pleading that the judge or the jury would, you know, rule that the judge had already ruled Alex Jones guilty before they even had the trial. But he was saying that the DA was that you need to take Alex Jones out, destroy his platform and make it impossible to build another platform again. And the reason is because Alex Jones has been exposing this sort of corruption for over 20 years and so it's people like him tucker carlson uh steve bannon glenn beck and a host of others that are doing this now the thing is we've had to step up and speak out and continue to speak out no matter what they dish out uh, i don't i can't say that it was that da but someone stated that after they take Alex Jones out. The next person they were going to take out was uh, Tucker Carlson. He was the next one on their list. Um, 
But anyway, that's what they're going to do. They're going to start taking the loudest voices out and then start going for ones like me a little. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over in the corner somewhere, but I'm still uh, speaking out. And now as a, a pastor, I'm, I'm basing our current events on God's word. And that's what I like to do. What no matter what happens, we've got to stay anchored into God's word, and that's what I like to do. That's what no, the chaos around. We're able to stay level-headed, is because we are anchored in God's word. So we're going to go ahead and get into the scriptures now. Um, it's we're in the book of Micah. He's one of the minor prophets, and we had started a study. In the last podcast um, with the book of Micah, and it's the it's after the book of Jonah, and the name Micah means who is like Jehovah. So as we're studying through the book of Micah, we want to remember, we want to think that that's what we want to rehearse in our heads: who is like Jehovah. Who is like our God? And that's what we're going to bring to our attention here through the book of Micah. Hopefully, um, hopefully the conclusion is that there is no one like Jehovah. There's no one as powerful. There's no one as all-knowing. There's no one as unchanging. There's no one as compassionate. But let's see in Micah what he has to say. And I said I was going to back up back to chapter 1. So I'm going to do, go to Micah chapter 1 and verse 10. So right here, Micah calls out the some of the cities here in Judah. And I don't know exactly where these cities are. I don't think anyone really knows where, exactly where these, these cities were exactly at. Their exact location, but... Micah calls these cities out. Now, this is Micah actually calls them out because of their political wickedness, because they were using their political power to uh, persecute the people. And that's what he was calling out. And so he calls out, Declare ye it not to Gath, weep not at all in the house of Ephrah, roll thyself in the dust. Pass ye away, thou inhabitants of Sephir, having the shame, thy shame, naked. The inhabitant of Zanan came not forth in the morning of Bethazel. He shall receive of you his standing. For the inhabitant of Maroth waited carefully for good. But evil came down from the Lord unto the gate of Jerusalem. O thou inhabitant of Lachish, bind the chariot to the swift beast. She is the beginning of the sin to the daughter of Zion, for the transgressions of Israel were found in thee. Uh, verse 14, Therefore shalt thou give presents to Moresheth Gath, the house of Akib, or Akzib, shall be a lie to the kings of Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 15, Yet will I bring an heir unto thee, O inhabitant of Merishah. He shall come unto Adullam, the glory of Israel. Make thee bald and pole, thee for thy delicate children. Enlarge thy baldness as the eagle, for they are gone into the captivity from thee. All right, so verses 10 through 16 here, 
depicts the uh, the God's judgment to these certain cities. So I just want to name or define the the names. Um, the house of Afra, Afra, one the first one mentioned after Gath. Or well, let's see back up. The house of Ephra means the house of dust, reflecting the fact that all that will remain will be the ruins of the city. The name Moroth means bitterness, which reflects their response to receiving evil instead of good. Notice that they went back in, in chapter 1. Go back and listen to the, the previous podcast to the introduction of Micah. Uh, so they had chosen to follow the evil way instead of God's way. And so God is bringing punishment on them. Lachish denotes the impregnability of their city. Their trust was within themselves, and the irony is seen in that they were ultimately destroyed by God. The name Akzib means deceit and was reflected in their action to the kings of Israel. The reference to Adullam is significant in that the heir will come to the inhabitants of the city pronouncing judgment on the people. And that's what that means, uh, Adullam, judgment. So that's what the book of Micah is, is the fact that God get, God set a certain plan, certain rules. Now he gave us the Ten Commandments to follow, and then Jesus completed those. And with the golden rule, and we're supposed to show love and compassion. God said a certain way for us to live and to talk. And of course, He's He has given us free will. We have the with a choice. We can choose to follow Him or not to follow Him. But there's consequences. There's always consequences to our actions. So what Micah is bringing out, what God is bringing out to his people through Micah is that because you use deceit, because you turned your back on me, because you followed your way and you trusted in yourself instead of me, you thought you were more capable than me, you're going to suffer the consequences. Uh, so that's what chapter two is picking up at. And so we're going to see what happens to those that hurt the poor. What happens to those who hurt the poor? That's Micah chapter 2, verse 1. Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. And they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. So notice verse 1 through 2 lays it out what the wicked are doing. They are, are working iniquity upon their beds. When the morning is light, they practice it because it is in their hands. Now this reminds me here, verse 1 of the, uh, the LGBTQ plus IA, whatever it is now. That they're pushing on us is, I know statistically, it's like only 2% of our 
total population, but they're making it look like as if it's the whole United States has turned tranny. And but they're they're bringing it out in the open. They're being bold. Um, they've come out of the closet and they're trying to take kids down with them. And Jesus, I mean, God calls them out here. Verse one, woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. That includes the pedophiles. He says, when the morning is light and they practice it because it is in their power, they think they have the upper hand here, but they don't. There's it's a huge problem for them and whoever takes their lead and follows after them, they're going to, the consequences are going to be bad. So it's important for us to understand which side we are on. Again, it's not a left or right. It's not a Republican or Democrat. It's a, are you right with God or not? So he says in verse 2 that they covet people's fields. And I think of Klaus Schwab immediately, George Soros. And they're taking people's land. They said you will own nothing and be happy. They take them by violence. I think about China and houses, and they take them away. So they oppress a man in his house, even a man in his heritage. Now I could, um, thinking about that, I've my family heritage, at least on my mother's side, is that my great great grandparents moved. And I learned that they actually moved from Scotland, that side of the family, moved from Scotland, moved to Ireland, and then from Ireland moved to the U.S. And I believe they came in through South Carolina, uh, through Charleston, I think it was, and they moved through South Carolina and ultimately ended up in Alabama. And... The land that they had, they worked hard for it. They worked the land themselves. And everything they had, they had, they earned on their own. But we have wicked people coming in and want to say, well, we didn't work for it. We didn't do anything to earn it. Um, but actually, I'm going to take your stuff and you're going to be my slave. And that's not what God is saying. So he lays it out. This is what they're doing. He said they've taken even a man's, a man and his heritage. All right, verse three. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, against this family do I devise an evil from which ye shall not remove your necks, neither shall you go haughtily, for this time is evil. In that day shall one take up a parable against you and lament with a doleful lamentation and say, we be utterly spoiled. He hath changed the portion of my people. How hath he removed it from me? Turning away, he hath divided our fields. Therefore thou shalt not have none that shall cast a cord by lot in the congregation of the Lord. So now here, verses 3 through 5, the Lord just proclaimed a sentence on them. Those that have taken advantage of the poor, the needy, or those less fortunate, or those less powerful. He has decreed that those that committed those crimes 
taking advantage of other people and he is he has condemned them he has sentenced them to a judgment notice that he says in verse 3 do i i devise an evil now an evil is just a meaning a violence towards them towards the wicked ones and so they can't get away from it he says that from which you shall not remove your necks there's consequences to your actions and the wicked ones will not be able to take their necks out and so the justice that i visualize there is the guillotine or maybe just the noose it's going to be wrapped around their necks the consequences for taking advantage of other people and destroying their lives is that your life will be taken and that's God speak, the Lord speaking there. And so let's go down to verse 6. He says, Prophesy ye not, say they to them that prophesy. They shall not prophesy to them that they shall not take shame. O thou that are named the house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to them that walketh uprightly? Here with verse 6 and 7. We see him calling them out and saying, well, is not, is my word, is what I tell you to do, is it not good enough for you? Can, can, why can't you just take what I'm telling you? Why can you not trust what I'm saying? Why can't you follow my ways that I laid out for you? Remember, God, he created us. We go back to Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. He lays out creation and he lays out the creation of man and the creation of woman. And we see a, a love that he has for us. And when after he had finished each day, he said he saw what he had made and it was good. Everything was perfect, sinless, without sorrow, pain. There was no hunger, no thirst, no violence, no corruption. And that's the way the Lord had and intended it. That's the way he made it. There were no thorns. No parasites, nothing like that, nothing hurtful, nothing harmful. And yet because of the pride of someone else and arrogance of someone else, that being the devil, and because we fell for his deception, sin came into the world. And the Lord asked us, was, not, was my way not better? Verse 7, Thou art named the house of Jacob. Is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? So do I not support those that, that are righteous, that are godly? Continue to verse 8, even, as, even of late my people are risen up as an enemy. Ye pull off the robe, but the garment from them that pass by securely as men averse from war. The women of my people have ye cast out from their pleasant houses, from their children have ye taken away my glory forever. Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is polluted. It shall destroy you even with a sore destruction. Now James chapter 5 says, that pure religion is this. So if we're following the Lord and following in his footsteps, we know we're supposed to have a relationship 
with Jesus, but our religion is this. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to help the widow and the fatherless in the time of need. Now this is what the these politicians were not doing. They were taking advantage of the people and stealing from the people. And it says he was taking the women out of their houses and kicking them out, taking their possessions, even children, taking the, the, the women from their children. They were splitting them up. And that brings to mind the uh, CPS, the Child Protective Services, and how they snatch kids from their parents and that how they they take the children and then they sell them through uh, in human trafficking sex trafficking rings and the child protective services are actually complicit in that uh one good thing to watch if you haven't already is the Stu peter show uh documentary the these little ones and if you haven't watched that i would uh encourage you to watch that and it, he does a Good job exposing that. There's a wickedness. There's We have a choice. There's only two sides. It boils down to either we are obedient to God and His Word, and we're in alignment with His will, or we're not. We've rejected it. We're out of His will. We're away. We are in disobedience. And... We are either serving God in His will or we are serving the devil in His will. There's no in-between. He says in verse 10, Arise, depart, for this is not your rest. Uh, you think you've gained this city for your possession. You think that you've, um, you're in a position of power, but on... The contrary, you're going to be searching, you're going to be walking, you're going to be in a condition of vulnerability or scarcity. He says, because it is polluted, it shall destroy you even with a sore destruction. If a man walking in the spirit of falsehood does lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink, he shall even be the prophet of the people. I will surely assemble. O Jacob, all of thee, I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Basra, as the flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. The breaker has come up before them. They have broken up, and they have passed through the gate, and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them, and the Lord on the head of them. We have to speak truth. We are we have have a calling, especially in this time. I think this is a very critical time. I think about uh, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Adams, Jefferson. I mean, just go down down the line of founding fathers and the great men of this country that stood up in this Christian country. And say, we're going to serve the Lord no matter what comes our way. It is now, the mantle has been handed to us to uphold the freedoms 
that God has given us. God doesn't give us slavery, but he gives us freedom. If we follow him, surrender to him, there is freedom. If we rebel and reject his way and his will, there's consequences. There's destruction. And that's what's coming upon us. And notice we, we, look, we saw that if we are creating the destruction, the Lord is going to bring destruction on us. And to an extent, I think that's what is happening in our country. Uh, that reminds me of Second Chronicles uh, 7.14. He says, If my people, which are called by my, by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and get on their knees, turn from their wicked ways, he says, I will hear from heaven, forgive them of their sins, and I will heal their land. A loving father punishes his children for disobedience because he loves them. And actually God's word says that you will punish them many times because if you spare the rod, you will spoil the child. There's consequences to our actions. Now if we would humble ourselves and pray, I've done that. I've asked for forgiveness and asked the Lord to heal our land, but as a nation, we have to do that. And right now we have a dictatorship in office. Now, I know the people as a whole, I still think that they're the majority of people in this country, I believe, uh, understand that this is a Christian country. I think a lot of people are, act, are Christians that are following God and serving him. But we need to ramp that up and we need to be vocal. We need to quit being silent. I think the label that most of them have gotten is called the silent majority, I think is what they're labeled now because, yeah, they're conservative. Yeah, they're Christians. They, they want to do good. They want to help people. They're hardworking. But they're not saying anything about it. Well, it's time for us to step up and say something about it before it's too late. Um. If we're not careful, it's going to be taken away, and they're already trying to silence people. Like I said, the point, Micah chapter 2 here, if we do corrupt things, God is going to punish the corrupter. So we're going to continue with this, with that thought in chapter 3 in the next podcast. Uh, now, it may be a couple podcasts. I want to mention a an article that CNN put out on um uh let's see what was it christian um christian nationalism and how christian nationalism just has destroyed the the united states or something like that uh glenn beck did a good job on uh recalling all the historical events and debunking everything they said i want to uh uh go through that in a podcast and dedicate a podcast to just that. Um, I think I'm going to be preaching on that this coming Sunday. It's going to be more of a history lesson than a sermon, but we're going to get a sermon out of it anyway, because the more history you dig, dig up on this great land, the more you see God's hand in it, and you can't get away from God's word, no matter which way you go. So... Stay tuned for that. Um, thank you for joining.
this podcast here. And I'm going to close in a word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for what you've done for us, what you've given us. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to, to speak and speak on your word. I'm thankful that you've called me, you've called us to be the watchmen on the wall. As we see in Ezekiel, we see in Isaiah, and here we're seeing in Micah, we're seeing that the wickedness will not go unpunished. We're seeing that there are consequences to our actions. I pray that we will be faithful. I pray that we'll be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I pray that we won't shy away from a, a fight. And a fight, I mean, we're going to speak the word. We're going to speak truth. We're going to call out wickedness. We're going to call out the devil. We're going to call out his deceitfulness. And we're going to call out his false teachers and his false prophets and call them out. So give us the strength. Uh, give us the clear thoughts and clear speech to present your will and your way. And please be with us through the rest of this evening, through, through this until the next podcast, until our next meeting at church, next, whatever the case is, I pray that we would uh, glorify and honor you in everything that we do and everything that we say. And we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.